When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There are two rules to remember if you want to have a good time. Rules! No rules! Rule number one. Keep your friends close, but your enemies close. Rule number two. You're a dragon. Be a dragon. This week on Double Dragon, Steve and I reflect on our experience of episode one without any spoilers. We're just talking about our feelings of the event and our anticipation going forward. And then after that, we just talk a little bit about our time together in California. Without further ado, here is comic Steve Osborne. So, Steve, we uh, we did it. We went to the premiere. We watched episode one of House of the Dragon. Uh, I don't think that we're allowed to talk about it. I think we've already said too much. So I guess we're we're done. We're done here. We've done what we came. Yeah. To do. If you if you like what you heard, uh, please subscribe. Send us a message. Smash that button down below. <laughs> Rate and review. <laughs> um, so what's what's the parameters here? We can talk around it. We can talk about our feelings, right? We can talk about I our think we I think we give our impressions. Um, if the episode made me sort of feel things about my childhood, I could mm-hmm. maybe talk a little bit about. Yeah, you could just talk about a time in your childhood where, like, and then just, like, actually tell the plot, but you are, like, in place of a dragon. <laughs> sure. And then no one can, like, what are they going to do? Was HBO going to come out and be like, uh, you didn't live that life? Like, you don't know me, HBO. <laughs> All right, so I think, here's what I think. I think now would be a good time to reveal our new rating system. Does mm, that sound, okay. sound good? And then we sort of rate the episode... And then maybe we talk a little bit about the event around the... Uh... Yeah, I mean, any, as many episodes as we can get in before the actual series starts to make it all about us, I would, I, I'm all for that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we have our new rating system specifically for House of the Dragon episodes. And, oh, we have, we have a new contributor. Oh, wow. <laughs> Gotta get it out of the system. We saw something. We saw something. All right. He's probably going to give out one more chirp because he's a little OCD. There. That should do it. (laughs) All right. Trying to live in a society here. Okay, so if you're familiar with our Cocoons of Horror rating system, it was basically Howard plus or minus, right? So Mm -hmm. Howard's the baseline. Howard's a good episode. Howard would be a good movie. Ron Howard produces good movies. Uh, Solid. maybe, Maybe not spectacular. Yeah, they're going to have great acting. It's going to be a good, great plot. They, they're going to be movies that you might want to rewatch from time to time. They probably won't win Best Picture. You know, that's, that's probably like, probably like, it's probably like pretty straightforward, right? Pretty like yeah. decent use of, of the cast. They've got a good cast. Sure. I'm going to say Danny is our mid-range. So Danny sort of is the properly Howard barometer here. So we're not going to just have like three new Howards. We're like going to have like a Howard the Duck. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Howard Hessman. It's a Hojo plus three, I would say. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Howard Jones. I like that. <laughs> Already off the rails. Okay. So here's our new rating system. I'm going to say a Danny episode is a good episode. All right. And in the same way that when you were watching Game of Thrones back in the day, if there was a really good Danny episode, you'd think, oh, that was that was a that was a really solid episode of Game of Thrones. All right. So that's our baseline. Then above Danny, we're going to say a good Dinklage episode, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So if we get to like a Danny plus four, now we're in the Dinklage range. Right. And if it, you know, if a Game of Thrones episode had a really good Dinklage episode, now we're talking like one of the best episodes of television. Yeah, you're going to be around that water cooler, and you're going to be there for a while. Yeah, right, right. And then below Danny is the Dorn. So we have a mm-hmm. we have a Dinklage, Danny, Dorn, and I just want to say, just re- want to remind people, a Danny episode is a good episode. Right. Right. All right. So doesn't mean it doesn't mean that it's not doesn't have some flaws. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and then so that's with so the 3D mm-hmm. uh, rating system. So if we're going to say something that is a, you know, a Dinklage episode, it means it's a great episode. It was a great episode of television. And, but we still reserve the right to say, like, Dinklage plus one, Dinklage plus two, you know. Dinklage, Dinklage minus one, right? Like, okay, yeah. we're, it's it's still better than a, than just than, than a good. I mean, it's uh-huh. like a, a, a Dinklage minus one is, is a great episode, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's uh, the way it works. So think of like a thermometer, but the degrees are, you know, sort of Dinklage in the high range. Then three degrees below is you're going to find the baseline of Danny. And then three d- degrees below that, you're going to find the Dorn. But with all of that in mind, a Danny plus two is not as good as a Dinklage minus one. Right. And that's important to know. So I want everybody like, you know, make your scales. What I would do listeners at home mm-hmm. um i would i would get i'd get some uh some poster board and sure. maybe some crayons maybe you know what get those uh get some post-it notes just to do a rough draft get some get some pens uh get those pens that that uh smell yeah right you want those you want some pens s- some scratch and sniff stickers yeah 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 create, get a little chart going you know that's fun I'm a visual learner right now. Some of you are like, well, can I just use an Excel sheet? Like, mm, yeah, but you can't smell it. So get one of those Sir Sniffs a lot or whatever. Those, what are those pens called? S- smell it. Is that what they're called? I think they're, called? they're just smell called pens? stinkies. They're just called stinkies. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's sort of the British. <laughs> British. They, they rebranded them in, in Britain as stinkies. Uh, yeah, I like that. The brown stinky smells like meat pie. I know very little about uh, British culture. <laughs> I let you borrow me blueberry stinky, and you never gave it back. Look, I've got my boysenberry stinky. I've got my meat pie stinky. I've got my stinky stinky. <laughs> what is the stinky stinky? <laughs> I'll let you figure it out. <laughs> All right, so Steve... Uh, first episode of House of the Dragon, which we don't know the name for yet, right? We saw the episode. We did not actually see the title of the episode. So we're just going to yeah, call it maybe. the pilot episode, I suppose. Pilot, yes. And um, on our new rating system, what do you think? 
I I would say, and I'll uh, and again, I'm not. This is a spoiler free zone, everybody. This is a spoiler free zone. Um, I would say that I was. Uh, it's it is properly Danny. I think it's a good episode. It's a good episode. I I think that there were elements where I'm like, I I don't think I ever reached into. Is this a Dorn? I think I was definitely in the. So far, this is this. There were some moments where I'm like, this could be low Danny. There were zero moments in my viewing experience where I thought. Uh oh, we got a, we got ourselves a Dorn on our hands. Right. Yeah, I would agree. And and but there was definitely moments where I'm like, not like it was it was the catching factor. There were mm-hmm. some things where I'm just like, mm, is it catching me? What am I like? Because then you you're rife with expectations, right? I mean, I mean we've we had probably recalibrated our expectations about 17 different times, probably just on the way to the museum. To, yeah, to we it. we need to probably should talk about our expectations going into this, but let, let's just go ahead and put you on the record. You're saying it's a properly Danny episode. Properly Danny um, with some performances, I think, that were flirting into the Dinklage range. Well, all right, that's good. And so I wonder if... I, I'm actually surprised that you said that because I remember afterwards talking to you and Aaron, and you guys are both saying oh no this was good this was really good mm-hmm. and so i thought oh I, I think that they liked it better than i did so but but i think that maybe you've settled you've settled into a danny is that, is that what i'm hearing yeah no well because i think what happens is is that you know we talked about this a few minutes after like we had our kind of our initial reaction we didn't really know what to say to each other you know, we had expected maybe that they would put us in a podcast corral, and we thought maybe we would be mm-hmm. somewhat separated. But we were right maybe in the at thick the of kids' it. I mean, table. But you're right; we had great seats. You know, we were sitting, you know, ten seats away from some of the actors, and it right, was, right. That was a little surreal. We should talk about that. But all right, let, let's let's talk let's talk about the rating. So, I thought you were going to go higher, and I was initially I was thinking, good, not great. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, sort of on the plane ride home, thinking about, okay, so I think it was in the Danny range, but there were a few scenes that I just thought were electric. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I thought because of that and because it never kind of dipped. Right. I'm going to say Danny plus two. Okay. Yeah. I And I think I settled on Danny, the properly Danny, because I almost feel like that is pretty good uh praise for a pilot because right. you are because you're do this this episode i believe did a lot to set up and and I, that's as far as i'll go you know but in terms of like hey yeah that's kind of is... what i told uh sarah and sarah's never watched any game of thrones um so oh, wow. she's like so did you I'm like you know how like first episodes they have to introduce a lot of characters and they have to do a lot of exposition to tell you who the how these characters relate one another and what their relational dynamic is i feel like this episode did all of that but it also happened to be very compelling, and right. there were moments that it was it was just electric, and I thought that was fantastic. the The directing was was uh, very good. Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, like it's one thing to introduce characters; it's another thing to introduce characters and say, "Okay, now I now I, I get a pretty good sense of, of of who's what." I mean, that and that's a lot. I mean, we've already like we one thing about Game of Thrones is they just kept on piling characters on and it, and it still was working 
Now, I mean, sure. it helps if you start killing them off too, so right. that, uh, you can replace them. But this one definitely, I mean, I'm like, wow, there's a lot going on, but it didn't feel cluttered. And that's, it didn't feel cluttered, and, it, yeah. and maybe it tried to introduce a few, uh, maybe fewer characters. I, I don't remember. I do remember though that in the original Game of Thrones pilot, it was famously it was a mess. So much so, so that they kind of vaulted it, and they had to recast a, a few characters, and they had to go back to the drawing board for a number of scenes. If you go back to that first episode of Game of Thrones, it it has a much different feel. I mean, it just it it feels a, a bit hokier. Um, it feels like you know, is this? Are you introducing too many characters? This didn't have that problem at all. This this had right. no point was I, was I thinking uh oh this is a little bit a little bit cringy yeah. so well tonally and uh, it's um, uh, the way that it, it it dealt with logistics and uh, just the, the little bit of world building it felt that part felt very much like peak game of thrones watching well and the other thing about this is that you have to do less world building with this episode right 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 i mean you're setting up a time frame and all of that and uh it, it did feel i mean like it, it, you get concerned like is it going to feel more like some of the hastened work in season eight or is it going to feel like some of the patient uh work in say season three or four right mm-hmm. if i recall we were walking and as I was appreciating it more, I'm like, what I liked about it is that it had the confidence in its storytelling that it was still being patient, and uh, I like that. I like. Yeah, that we lot. were talking. So we were driving down from uh, the Bay Area to Los Angeles, which, for those who don't know, that's about an eight-hour drive. And so on our way down, we were, t- you had, you've just started up Better Call Saul, right? So right. you're just kind of in, in the middle of season two now. And what I was saying that I liked about Better Call Saul was that I think that a lesser series would say, okay, you liked Breaking Bad. Let's outdo that. Let's make it, uh, let's, let's make it, you know, more thrilling than Breaking Bad. And what Better Call Saul did was like, nope, we're going to make it more subtle we're going to make the the character dynamics more nuanced. We're going to be very patient with the story that we're telling. So instead of sort of going bigger, they went deeper. Right. And then, and I was saying I I would like to see them do something like that with this episode, but c- come on, it's not going to it's HBO. It's it's going to try to go bigger. It's not going to try to go deeper. Um I think it might have gone bigger and deeper. I think I think you're right. Um, and part of that too, like if you're just into a straight comparison from, uh, uh, you know, pilot to pilot or first episode to first episode, well, of course this should have, this should have all the lessons learned to some degree of, of, you know, from that Game of Thrones, because Game of Thrones wasn't Game of Thrones when it came out, (laughs) you know, I mean, budgets are different, uh, act, Mm -hmm. you know, everything's different. Right. And so the backing of the studio is different. So in this case, I mean, you've got, you know, you've got full support of studios of producers. And so you've got all kinds of hands in this thing. You've got, you know, your effects are better. Your, uh, your set pieces are probably richer. I mean, just everything. Right. So, um, 
Well, also you you became you became the appointment television viewing experience for five years straight, and because of that, you can probably grab actors that you right. know are going to do solid work. And well, it was interesting because we were talking to somebody who I don't know if she was a direct representative of one of the actors, but she was certainly like part of the team, right, mm-hmm. of the sure. representation. And she was referring to. Uh, you were talking about her experience with the actors, and I forget exactly what it was, but I think there was this sense of, even from from the actor's perspective, like maybe not really realizing what uh, what he had gotten himself into in terms of <laughs> sure. what the expectations are going to be, yeah. the uh, the level of of fandom that mm-hmm. um, he's going to encounter, and you know, and I think there was something about that too. Like I, even we had the discussion, like we were talking about just what to wear and how we compose ourselves. And, and you had a few times said uh, things like, I mean, this is not a movie premiere. It's a TV show. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, this isn't, you know, like yeah. season three of Cagney and Lacey, you know, this is, <laughs> this is game of Thrones. I mean, this is as, this is about as big as a TV yeah. show will ever be. I know, but I guess I was just thinking like, come on, it's, this is a, this is a premiere. Anything, anything I can watch in my underwear. Yeah. <laughs> Um, ultimately i think what it came down to you 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 figured anything that would invite us how good could it be (laughs) yeah yeah no for sure yeah and shout out to hbo though i mean they certainly didn't have to invite us and we'll invite you and then uh, me tag along but it was uh it was great i mean that was there was i felt like there was no no corners cut it was just it was... Well, also, there wasn't, like, a kids' table thing. Like, we, you know, for, for most of the evening, we were, you know, five feet away from some of the people that were in the show. And yeah. you got to talk to a few of these guys. Uh, and Whether they liked it or not. Whether they liked it or not. And uh, so, anyway, it was, it was, there was, it didn't feel like we were partitioned off in any way. Um, no. It was, it was fun. It was fun. Yeah. I want to talk about the experience before and after. All right. So... I my sense is that, like, and I and I think I mentioned this to you in the car on the way down. I was thinking, I don't think that we are going to be in a good space to experience this objectively. How can we not be built up for the built up for this event? They're making everyone that goes to this thing kind of feel special. How can we not be built up for this event? Right? It's not just a show; it's an event. And so my feeling was, we're going to be let down. Yeah. We're built up for this. It doesn't matter how good it is. Even if it's good, it's going to be kind of a letdown because it, cause the actual show on the screen is not going to live up to the experience of being at this premiere. Um, I did not feel let down. No, no. I mean, we were we were built up for it. Yeah, I think it delivered. It delivered. Right. And our, and our viewing experience is going to be very different than anybody else that we know, right? I mean, uh, just seeing it early, right, is, is and not being able to talk about it. And that's another thing I think that is interesting about about the Game of Thrones experience, how much that show existed beyond the hour you watched, mm-hmm. right? And so we we left that, and we could talk about it with each other, Um but even now, here we have a podcast about it. We can't talk about it, and it. So, and I you think know, that's what also occurred to me, Steve. We didn't have to go. We could have just pretended. Oh yeah, 
Yeah. That would have saved us a little bit of money for sure. And we, I mean, we, same difference. We're not going to tell people what ha- what we saw. Yeah, this I just realized just now that yeah. that we we absolutely could have just come on this podcast and said everything that we just said. Mm-hmm. In fact, now that I planted that in the listeners' minds, they're going to be wondering: Did these guys actually go to the event? Right. They're just yeah, making that's this a good up. point. That's a good point. So we're kind of like Schrodinger's podcast podcasters yeah Yeah. well i mean given that the uh open bar uh i i'm not entirely sure i was there (laughs) now you i I do want to mention afterwards you did speak with uh sapochnik i I saw saw you talking with sapochnik um i saw you talking with uh lizard from Mm spider-man the the, the second spider-man reboot I'm not really sure how to say his name. Uh, uh, Riz Iffens is how I've been saying it. Right. But and now, I, now I think maybe it's Reese. I don't know. I don't know how that. We're just going to call Be- him Lizard, right? And because of your uh, insecurity, I've only referred to him as Lizard. <laughs> sure. All right. So li- you did talk to Lizard. I saw that. I think it is Reese. Oh, it Iffens. is? All right. I, yeah. Okay. Or it could be Riz Iffens, or it could just be Lizard. He did Riz have Ipens. two arms. I, I, I like that Riz you pointed I, that Riz out. Riz Iffens. Yes, he did. Yeah, it did grow back. It looked good. Clearly, the, the Lizard serum is working for him. I don't know if that's what you guys talked about. I didn't, I wasn't actually, I didn't actually overhear your conversation. You know, he was pretty hush-hush about it. He said the whole thing about proprietary, and he said that if I had the time to, to uh, sign an NDA, and I said, look, man, I just want to say i liked your arm i thought your arm was great i thought your arm was great in this episode convincing dr lizard dr so so right now everybody's like well there's our first spoiler he's got two (laughs) arms in this movie and then all right i'm 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 blanking on the third uh celebrity brush up that you had i mean i had a very uh brief little wink and nod towards matt smith but the uh-huh. Uh, and then um so wait, you words, just what what was it sort of like a a point and a wink it was and more a, of a drink up a little nod and a wink oh so you had finger. you had the cocktail in your hand yeah and you and you raised a glass it, it was sort of like i'm raising a glass to your performance exactly mr mr damon targaryen all right yeah. excellent and then was there an acknowledgement from across the room uh, we were real close, and he gave me a a little nod back and a little, uh-huh. little bit of a of a smile. So, and about it. I mean, at that point, did you retire to his room? I I wasn't there the whole time. <laughs> I again, I that cocktail that I raised might have been number seven. So you tell me, <laughs> you tell me where I ended up. <laughs> okay, um, is there anything else about the actual event? Uh, that that you wanted to mention. Well, what I liked is that we like we because we're we're dummies, right? I mean, we we get to the after party, we're herded into this to the we're getting we have no idea where we're going in the after. Yeah, party. we have no like I you know we have no connection. We've been in L.A. a number of times, both of us, but we've never any had any kind of Hollywood connection before, right? Uh, so anyway, yeah, go ahead. So so we're just sort of following. We're you know this is our opportunity to be talking about. Uh, the show and and I know that like we don't have we have like our ticket, um, but 
you're going from the theater to the after party, so there's no real need to show your ticket at this point because if you're in, you're in. But I did know that there were people that had um, lanyards that said red carpet, right? So that's we were waiting for all the, uh, the the red carpet folk to come in before the show uh, started. And and by the way, uh, George R. R. Martin was not there because he has COVID. Um, so mm-hmm. we were getting. So we're getting corralled, and so we're still now. This is sort of the moment of. And truth, by the way, right? I'm, I think that that will help him, right? Winds of winter. I just <laughs> he just has some time. I mean, I think that, I think that the, the general logic would be like, oh no, he's he, he's going to die. I I don't think so. I think it's sort of like he just needed a little bit of downtime. And this will serve as inspiration for his writing. But all the characters are like coughing and, and have new confusion. There you go. So you just write what you know. But yeah, so we so we're now kind of the moment of truth, like where do we get to go, right? Like at some point, is there going to be a show me your red carpet lanyard and then you go in here mm-hmm. or, you know. And we just, next thing you know, it's like, you want a mac and cheese ball? And here's what I want to say about uh, Hollywood parties. No Hollywood party is above a mac and cheese ball and that matters to me. Mm-hmm. Now I did not have the mac and cheese ball. Did you partake in the mac and cheese? Ball? I did not. There was one left on on the plate, and I wanted to sort of you know act like I've been there before. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go for the first mac and cheese ball that comes my way. Let's see what you got to offer. Uh, and at one point they offered us a spoon of corn. <laughs> yeah, I took that not knowing what it was, but I thought you're serving it in a in a Japanese ladle spoon. I'm probably going to like this. Yeah, and then and we I was not prepared for the the the, the, the sense that was corn. That it was going to be corn. Like why, <laughs> why serve it that way if it's corn? <laughs> you you wanted it on the cob. <laughs> yeah, if you're going to serve me corn, I want it on the cob. That's right. <laughs> or just one big giant cob that you just kind of go and take a bite of, like a shawarma. Um, <laughs> We uh, so so then we go like okay cheek to cheek with <laughs> Matt Damon. <laughs> Sorry, not so, Matt Damon. What am I saying? <laughs> Matt Smith. It's Matt Smith. Sure. Yeah, we're so then we're like, hey, there's a bar, right? And uh, and a part of me is thinking, uh, let's 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 get a little let's get a little liquid courage into us because who knows, right? And we're gonna are we gonna talk to people? Are we gonna mingle? And the bar is just jam-packed. So we're like, all right, let's just get in line. We even set a timer to see if it was even worth our effort. We went and got two drinks each, one for us and one for our dates, as we said. Um, so now we're walking around with two drinks in our hand. And now I'm like, you know what? This is way more gauche than getting that first mac and cheese ball. <laughs> just now I want, you to, I want people to know I feel a little bit like even though it was my idea to say that we needed a drink for our dates um, – I knew I was going to drink both drinks, but I didn't feel it. I felt a little self-conscious about holding a drink in both hands. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I just kind of pounded the first drink. Right, yeah, same, same Uh Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, you know, after a while, the bar just sort of opens up. And uh, and then that was that. But, yeah, then, so, like, then we remembered food. And, like, the food was just like a giant buffet charcuterie board is what it was. And we would just... It felt very Game of Thrones this when we walked up and there was like, oh, there's not a lot of stuff here. And all of a sudden, someone just comes over with this giant plate of meat and just pours it all over the table. Just starts just dumping mountains of meat on the table. <laughs> yeah. And we just, yeah, it was, it was, after a while, we, we, we started to just fit in. Yeah, you, you, I followed your lead. You would just, you would just, when you're done with the plate, you would just go set it on a topiary. <laughs> Figure someone will deal with it. 
just set <laughs> set it on a, a fake hedge. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, and all of a sudden it would just disappear. That's Hollywood magic for you right there. We're getting geared up for the 6th Annual Summer Badass Fest. And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make. Just like last year, we're kicking off Badass Season with a live movie watch and podcast recording. We've rented out a theater for connoisseurs of action films and bald move fans that just want to have a great time. Unlike last year, this year's movie is top secret. Hush, hush. No hints. Except, it's incredibly badass. It stars an absolute icon of the genre. We're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. Those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was. And those of you who didn't, (laughs) now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim, order some custom movie-themed drinks at the theater's full bar, then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved a venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. It's happening Friday, 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 June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati. Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. The thrills of Kings Island just minutes away, and I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live live. Okay, there were other elements of our uh, our California experience that I do want to discuss. This is not Game of Thrones related at the, any point. This is not House of the Dragon related. So if you need to like uh, skip off, you know, go go do something else. You don't want to hear about any of this stuff, then just turn it off now. No one's going to blame you for it. Um, so before the event. We're going to San Francisco. We're both going to go to Punchline together because you've got a responsibilities at, mm-hmm. at Punchline. And your idea was, I'd like to buy a new hat for this event. Ah, yes. yes. All right. Now, I've never been hat shopping before. I, I've been in I've been in stores where I saw a hat and thought, oh, well, I think that I'm going to buy this hat. But I've never gone to a hat store in the city specifically to buy a hat. But uh, but not only did you know where this place was, you actually had like a subway punch card kind of thing, right. where if you buy ten hats, you get one free. Right. And so you you whipped that thing out, and you got us a discount on some hats. And I just want people to know that Steve was very close to buying a seafoam fedora. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not a fedora guy. You've never been a fedora guy. I don't think that either of us believe that you can pull off a fedora. But at one point, we thought if it's a seafoam fedora, right? Then that absolutely. Let, let's see what it looks like on Steve. And we both thought it it almost looked good, right? 
Right. Yeah. Almost. So, for some reason, we were dissuaded from getting the the seafoam fedora. Uh, although I am sure that the the store would have been happy would have been happy to sell it to you, right? Yeah, I think that was actually their intent. All right. So, but you did get a couple other hats. You're happy with your your purchases, I'm assuming. Yeah, my uh, yacht rock. Uh, bucket hat, mm-hmm. which you That's wore on stage good. that night at the yeah. at, at San Francisco Punchline. Definitely a different look for me as well. A little, uh, it's it's a reversible hat. It's got like mm-hmm. kind of like jungle leaves on one side, and then the other is gray with a little embroidered martini. Yeah, a little martini, martini glass with a little stir stick, and an olive inside. I think. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So you got that. Now, for me, now those are, you know, two notable purchases. For me, I've never been to a hat store. I would have never thought to go to a hat store. And I went to this hat store, and I made a very bold purchase. Very bold. Which is which is a big deal. Like, like you know, you, you absolutely bought hats that, you know, and one of the hats, bucket hats, sort of unlike a hat you've worn before on stage, right? Right. For me, I went for the very first time. I went for with a full 360 brim, and and as we've noted before, I can be adventurous when it comes to headwear, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but this was my first step toward the fedora. It was more of a, a I think it's called a Charleston. Is that okay? Uh, it kind of has that short brim, it flips up and goes all the way around. It was a big step for me. But you put it on, and we immediately were like, hey. You know, it was one of those moments where, like, you got to really stop and, like, because it, it, you, you put it on and it, it was like, hey, this looks good. And you ha- I had I was a sort a li- of like, I was a little bit surprised that I thought it looked good. Yeah, and I wanted to live in the, in the let's be let's be surprised by joy uh-huh. and not dwell on the shock of it. Like, hey, we can't believe it. Because, and then now, because then you start talking in the negative. So let's just embrace the positive. And so... Uh, it, and then I tried it on to say, well, maybe, maybe I don't know, maybe, maybe I. And then we, I immediately were like, nope, nope you look ridiculous. <laughs> so yeah, so I was, I was surprised by that. But here's the other thing I wanted to note about our San Francisco experience. All right, I've seen you do stand up before, mm-hmm. and I've been to you know big comedy venues before, famous comedy venues before. Seeing you at the San Francisco Punchline was a whole different experience for me. And I want you to know that I was kind of in awe of the power you wielded at this event. (laughs) And I mean, you're laughing because it kind of sounds funny, but I'm being totally sincere here. So I just want people to note that this is a venue that seats, what, like 125 people or something like that? Yeah, yeah. All right. So imagine 125 people packing a space, but about 50 of them are comics who want to get on stage. Mm-hmm. They're they're on the sides. They're lining the bar. These are all comics that come out every Sunday night, maybe for years, mm-hmm. just for seven minutes of stage time. And Steve has all of them on his spreadsheet, and he has the power to decide who gets to go on stage and who does not. That's true. And there's no one else in the room that has that power. They all have to come to Steve and say, hey, man. I've been coming for two years. I'm moving back to Houston tomorrow. Is there any way I can get on stage, even for five minutes? That's true. And then, out of generosity, you let the the young fellow on stage, and he was not great. Right. 
And so you pull you pulled them off. You pulled them off stage. Um, it was just something to behold. I, like you know, I, I just want to say it was. It was. It wasn't like you know Daniel Day Lewis and There Will Be Blood kind of powerful. <laughs> but it was legitimate. It was legitimate power, and I and I thought you wielded it very well. You brought up established voices that you knew were going to pull off the set. You also brought up new comics. There was a nice diversity of voices. Uh, I I could see that it's it's, it's quite a balancing act, and uh, I think I think that you you wore the crown. And you wielded it well. Well, thank you. No, it, it is. It's a lot of work. It's uh, um, it's a process that you know I that I had to go through, obviously, to to get to be passed as a as a comic at Punchline. So you have a appreciation for the process. Some people hate it. You know, some people, even though they pass, they they still hate it. Some people just refuse to to engage in it. But it's it's it's, it's a process they've been using for decades and you know it's it's been working for them and so you you know so there's a respect for the process uh but you are still producing a show so you want people that paid money to have a good evening so you have to kind of you have to be in, watching the whole thing right mm-hmm. you're watching you want to you want to take care of the club you want to take care of the audience and you want to take care of the comics that are paying their dues right so uh, appreciate you you noticing the work that has to go into yeah, it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I was, and then I was just going to note that it was kind of fun to see you go from sort of like the king of the comedy club to kind of like a peasant at the Hollywood premiere. <laughs> yeah, that seems about right. Uh, you know, now now you're a schlub like the rest of us again. <laughs> yeah, they they don't know what I went through the night before. Anyway, sort of synopsis here. We both liked it. And we think that you're going to like it. Uh, so we can't wait to talk talk a little bit more about the plot once it's actually out mm-hmm, on HBO. Sure. Not, not so far away at all. And by then, maybe Steve will have built up the courage to buy that seafoam fedora. Uh, not wearing it to the premiere, but just kind of wearing it around the house for Heather. Oh, no. No, not at all. No. Uh, anytime I sent her a picture of the of the hats, she was like, uh, she'd have a, a comment that was not what I would consider encouraging. I think you did send her a, a text with the fedora, and I think she she texted back, "Does it come with a pony?" Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.